Prepare your heart to be moved by God through the preaching and teaching of His Word as delivered at Truth Gatherer's Dream Center Church. 1 Samuel 13, verses 5-14. through 14. This is the word of the Lord. Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel. 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and encamped at Michmash to the east of beth When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves, in thickets and rocks and holes and in pits. And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him, trembling. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened. As soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, for now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Verse 14, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you could be so kind as to turn to the person either on your right or left or behind you, just, just look at them and you can smile, although they can't see it because you got your mask on, but they can tell by your eyes if you're smiling. And when you give them this word of encouragement, brother or sister, there is a cost to disobeying God. Amen. That's our title this morning, The Cost of Disobeying God. I pray that you would stay with me in this moment. Obedience to God is a choice. Every day we as Christians, we make a choice to either obey or disobey God. It is God's expectation that we follow what God has spoken down through the generations. This is a requirement of our covenant relationship with God. And it's been this way since the beginning of humanity. In every covenant, obedience is required. Can I teach a little bit? 
In the Edenic covenant with Adam and Eve, they were instructed not to eat from a certain tree in the garden. Obedience was required. The Noahic covenant was the covenant that God made with Noah after Noah's obedience to God. Genesis 9. The Abrahamic covenant was the covenant of obedience for Abram to go and obediently follow God. Genesis 12. The Mosaic covenant was the covenant for the congregation of Israel to be a special treasure as they obey the voice of the Lord their God. Exodus 19. The Palestinian covenant was the covenant with Israel to be set high above all nations based on the condition of their obedience in the promised land, the entire book of Deuteronomy. The Davidic covenant is the covenant to establish a throne for David forever based upon David's walk with God in obedience, as we see in Samuel. We as Christians, the people of God, live under a new covenant. This is the law of God in our hearts made known to us by the spirit of God because of the obedience of Jesus Christ who gave of his body and shed his blood on Calvary. By this, the forgiveness of sin has come and we live under the covenant of grace made possible by obedience. Every day we make a choice to either obey God or disobey God. And I have discovered that there is a cost to disobeying God. We have many examples of those who in covenant relationship with God chose not to adhere to God's command and it cost them. Moses did not walk into the promised land that he worked and served God so tirelessly for all those years because of disobedience at Kadesh by the waters of Meribah. Achan and his family perished in the promised land because of disobedience. David brought chaos to his family and ruined another family because of disobedience. Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts lost their lives because of disobedience. And Israel went into captivity because of the disobedience of king after king and it cost them. The question that I have for you is, how much has disobedience cost you? What have been the consequences of your disobedience? Where have you fallen victim to either ignoring, neglecting, and or rejecting the voice of God and the volition and the plan of the God that you claim to love. What plan was delayed if not derailed because you ventured off track due to disobedience? If you struggled with obeying God, this morning I want you to know that you are not alone. Every follower of Christ at some point has disobeyed the Lord. We have all fallen short. We have all missed the mark. We have all either ignored or were unwilling at some point to listen to what God was saying. And even on our best days, we have made double, triple, even quadruple bogeys. However, there is a difference between knowingly disobeying God and unknowingly doing so. 
And in our text, we find a case of the former. Would you join me in 1 Samuel 13? King Saul fails his first trial of obedience and it costs him the throne. I pray that we will learn from his failure and observe a common root of disobedience that we must uproot and dispose of. In our text, the nation of Israel finds themselves on the verge of another battle with the Philistines. The Philistines are encamped at what's called Michmash. The Philistines possess 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen ready to engage in war. Saul, the newly minted king of Israel, he has some decisions to make because Israel only has an army of 3,000. Upon hearing that the enemy is gathered to engage war, most of Israel is scattered and Saul is in Gilgal. The leader of this nation does not know what to do and he sits on the cliff of a crisis. Perhaps some of you at some point may feel like Saul this morning. You, you, you're trying to give your best leadership in this, in this COVID space to your family, but, but you feel like something's fighting you. You're trying to lead your team at work in this new normal, but some people just have become so apathetic. And if they're not apathetic, they're very anxious. You're trying to give guidance to your children, but, but school in this COVID era traumatized you, especially those parents that had to serve as professionals and teachers. You're trying to solidify your marriage, but it just seems that you and your spouse are being pulled into so many different directions that you can't seem to cross paths to just connect. You're trying to mediate between siblings now because your mother or father has transitioned and now they have all anointed you the matriarch or the patriarch of the family. And in this time you are mourning, trying to make some sense of how you will survive without a loved one even on this Father's Day because it seems like when crisis come, people just forget about you. It seems that when life intensifies or calls you to be and do more, those who claim to be with you to support you scatter and are uninterested in your desire to be faithful to God. They leave you to deal with the enemy who has entered your territory undercover. This is the case for Saul. See, in the word, this word mikmash means hidden. Israel is outnumbered and their enemy is in a hidden place. Well, I wish I had some help right along there. Truth gatherers, it's one thing to have people desert you. It's another thing to have them desert you when your enemy is undercover in your territory. They leave you for their own interests. They leave you to follow their desires. They leave you because they never had a desire to help you. Their only desire was to leech and get as much as they could off you until you are used up and exhausted and they go look for their next victim. But the truth is they are running because they do not have what you have. You have the courage to stand in the time of trial. Hallelujah. And here is the word of God for you this morning. Do not worry. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the promise is this, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. You may feel that you are alone, but you are not numbered. You are not outnumbered because you and the Lord make a majority because God 
is always with you. He's the one who will not leave you or not forsake you. He said he would be with you to the very end of this age. He's the one who will stand by you and fight for you. He is your shield who will encamp around you. He will send his angels to come see about you. Whether you perceive them or not, you have somebody fighting on your side. Do not worry. He is the one who said if you draw nigh unto him, he will draw nigh unto you. Be not deceived. God has not forgotten about you and here's another word to encourage you if all you have is a word from the Lord then you got enough I, I think I need to say that again for the people that have been through some things uh, and everybody deserted you they thought you were foolish they thought you were crazy they thought you were out of your mind but you heard what God told you and you held fast to the word of God and God made you look foolish in your faith but as everything turned out for the good all you had was one word from the Lord and that word from the Lord is enough this is where Saul is in our text this morning, all he has is a word from the Lord through the prophet Samuel. The word was given to him, 1 Samuel 10, 6 and 8. Let me tell it to you. Then the spirit of the Lord will come upon you, Samuel said. You will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. God will change you and let it be that when these signs come to you that you do as the occasion demands for God is with you. You shall go down before me to Gilgal and surely I will come down to you to offer offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait till I come to show you what you should do next. Saul had a word from the Lord. Here's the problem. He didn't adhere to it. He took matters into his own hands. And look what it says, 1 Samuel 13, 8. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now what happened as soon as he finished presenting the burnt offering, here comes Samuel. And Saul went out to meet him. Saul had instructions to wait until Samuel came to him. But he did not do it. And it cost him dearly. In fact, it cost him his throne. Truth gathers, can I tell you one decision, one disobedient decision, one bogus decision can alter your entire life. It doesn't take a whole lot. One decision can change and alter your life for the good or for the worse. You don't believe me? You need to ask former Minnesota police officer Derek Chauvin. One decision killed somebody else and cost him his life. It could have been avoided if he would have operated in his standard operating procedures. But he chose to fall victim to pride. Here it is. Pride killed George Floyd because it was the abuse of authority. And I reason that pride is at the root of all disobedience and it will cost you. Pride is the culprit that influenced Lucifer, the falling angel, to war against God. And since his excommunication from heaven, he has sought to deceive the people of God. Satan and his army will encamp in hidden spaces like the Philistines in our text in an effort to trigger our pride. Provoking us to act against the will of God. Think about it. Most of your shortcomings and indiscretions of disobedience are a result 
of your pride being triggered. You follow your fleshly desires other than that of God, pride. You feel that what is best for you and those around you is better than what God said, pride. You may have fallen victim to substance abuse because you run from the truth of who you are, pride. You may have even left the church because you cannot surrender to the conviction of God calling you to be better, pride. But church, let me inform you that pride go before destruction and a haughty spirit before the Paul. The root of disobedience is pride. Truth gatherers, if you desire to walk with God in obedience, you must check the thermometer of your pride. And in our text, Saul is at boiling point. We see the influence of pride and how it manifests in Saul's disobedience and it costs him the throne. The Holy Spirit gives us ways we can prevent pride from entering our conscious as we make decisions to, ob to obey God. It costs Saul, but it does not have to cost us. Can I tell you what it is real quick? If you don't want pride to get you, then you must do this first thing I want you to do. Avoid prideful ignorance avoid prideful ignorance it's in the text Saul is pridefully ignorant in our text he does not know where he is look at verse 7 and 8 and some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead as for Saul he was still in Gilgal and all the people followed him trembling then he waited seven days according to the time set for Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal because the people were scattered. Saul is in a significant place where God had a history of moving on behalf of Israel. Saul should have obeyed God because he was standing in Gilgal. The name Gilgal means wheel circle or rolling away. Gilgal was the first camp of the Israelites west of the Jordan when Joshua took them over into the promised land. This is the place at which they passed the first night after crossing the river and this is where the 12 stones were set up taken from the bed of the Jordan River. It was still there during this time. This is where they kept the first Passover in the land of Canaan, the promised land. Here the Israelites who had been born on the march through the wilderness were circumcised. This is the day and place where God rolled away the reproach of Egypt. It's the place where Israel recalled how God had been faithful to bring them from the wilderness into the promised land. What am I saying? Gilgal was a place of victory. Gilgal was a place of liberation. Gilgal was a place of restoration. Gilgal was a place of promise. Gilgal was a place where Saul could look and see the 12 stones and see the remembrance of the Lord. Moreover, the name Gilgal was a figure of speech for rolling away and trusting in the Lord or to commit one's behavior unto the Lord. But Saul did not recognize where he was standing. He was standing in the land of promise to a God who was the promise keeper. So in ignorance, Saul forgot to follow the instructions of God that saved his life. He would have been killed if he went to Michmash because of the 30,000 chariots and the 6,000 horsemen of the Philistines. Saul should have been reminded that the place he was standing spoke to the power. It spoke to the favor of his God, the Lord God Almighty, irrespective of where his enemy was hiding. 
The God who was keeping him chose him to be king and he should have faithfully remained steadfast. But his rash decision making at the last hour shows that he was ignorant to his people's history and his own history with God. I pray you hear the Lord this morning. Saul was king from the tribe of Benjamin. He knew the history of Israel with God, but in this moment, it seemed that his memory is compromised because of the condition of his circumstance. So in his prideful ignorance, he chose to move forward when he should have stood still and remembered the word from the Lord. Church, he has a memory lapse. Truth gatherers, how many times have you fallen victory? I'm sorry, fallen victim and prayed to disobedience because in a brief moment, you had a memory lapse of what the Lord has done. In a moment, you made a rash decision. It was ill-informed because you had a mental hiatus of hope in the Lord and the Lord who has been faithful unto you the Lord who has been kind unto you, the Lord who has always been there for you in a moment. You forgot about the power and capacity of your God. In a moment, you forgot about what God had accomplished in your life. In a moment, you forgot how you arrived to the position that you're in. In a moment, you forgot about the faithfulness of God to your people. And in your prideful ignorance, you moved when you should have stood still and remember the word of the Lord. Here it is. In your intelligence, you believe that you made a wise and thoughtful and get this, even a religious decision. But it's not what the Lord told you to do. Before you act, you should remember the Lord. It's easier to obey God when you recognize and acknowledge how you have come this far. This is why we continue to tell the story down through the generations that we've, we've come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord, trusting in his holy word. Yes, he has never failed us. Yes, church, in the failed clutch of circumstance. You need to recall and remember your God before you make a costly decision due to your prideful ignorance, before you move and make any crucial decision. Truth gatherers, dream center church, you need to always remember the Lord your God. You need to remember who this God is. You need to remember that the same God who commissioned Joshua to set up those 12 stones to remember the faithfulness of God at Gilgal and who rolled back the reproach of an enslaved people in Egypt, the same God who walked with a stubborn and recalcitrant congregation named the Israelites, although they denied him over and over again. You need to remember that the same God who worked wonders in the wilderness on the other side of the Jordan River is the same God who gave his life for you and me and made us to be the righteousness of God. He's the same God that traveled with many of our ancestors from Ghana, Angola, Benin, and Senegal in the middle passage. He's the same God whose spirit hovered over tobacco and cotton fields and rice plantations in South Carolina and Georgia and Florida and Virginia and Alabama and Mississippi. He's the same God at the Hush Harbor who told our ancestors to walk together, children. Don't you get weary because there's a great camp meeting in the 
the promised land. He's the same God that was marching in the streets of Montgomery and Selma and Birmingham. And he's the same God who was marching in Ferguson and Minneapolis and Sanford and Louisville fighting for justice. He's the God of my grandmother. He's the God of my grandfather. He's my mother's God. He's my daddy God too. But in fact, he's not only their God, he's my God. And he is the Lord of true Catholic dreams in the church. Remember the Lord your God. You got to recall the words, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord. He is Jehovah. Hallelujah. He is El Shaddai, the God Almighty. He is Jehovah Elohim, the Lord our God. And we cannot, in prideful ignorance, forget who our God is no matter the circumstance. Because in every millennium, in every century, in every decade, of every year, of every month, of every day, of every hour, of every minute, and of every second, he is the Lord, Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Your circumstance, condition, or context does not change his character. Let me say that again. I'm going to put it to you in layman's terms. Whatever you're going through does not change the character of the Lord your God. Hallelujah. If you love him and honestly seek him, he will show you just how much he is God. And can I tell you one thing? He's the Lord right now. He's the Lord right here in this house. I pray he's the Lord at your house. And wherever he is Lord, that means he has the authority and the capacity at any moment to make his presence known and shift your entire world and change everything but you got to want him I'm telling you he is the Lord he's the Lord your keeper the Bible says the sun shall not smite you by day nor the moon by night he is the Lord he'll preserve you from all evil he'll preserve your soul he'll preserve your going out and your coming in because he is the Lord don't you let your prideful ignorance cause you to forget who he is. He is the Lord. And he's the one that holds the keys between death and hell. He is. He's the Lord. Don't you have a memory lapse? Just because you're in a tough situation, don't you ever have a memory lapse? You need to go to the memory of your brain. It's called the hippocampus. It's the library. It's the place in the brain where memories are stored. And in these times, you need to go to the, to the, to the, the, the stacks. Before we had Google, we had to go to the library and go to the stacks. And you need to pull some of books about you and what God has done for you. That in the moment you feel weak, you recall who God is. And can I tell you, the same God that was back then is the same God that will be there now. Don't you have a memory lapse? What God has done. Can I push it further? Saul, in his prideful ignorance, the newly minute king forgot the God that he served. He was standing, literally, standing in a place that was named because of what God had done for his people. And his pride caused him to initiate an act, here it is, that he was not even assigned or authorized to do. This moves us to another manifestation of pride that produces disobedience. Saul made a prideful indiscretion 
and it provoked his privileges to perpetually serve as king. What am I saying? We need to eliminate prideful indiscretions. Avoid prideful ignorance, but eliminate prideful indiscretions. Here it is, verse 9. So Saul said, I made burnt off, bring the burnt offerings and the peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Saul was anointed king. He had the spirit of the Lord in him. He prophesied. He even had the authority to rule. But he did not have the authority to offer sacrifices. He was judge and warrior. But he was not priest. That was Samuel's job. Samuel was prophet, judge, and priest. Saul did not wear the mantle of priest. But because Saul was more ambitious and anxious about gaining glory and a triumph, he said he was compelled to offer the sacrifice. He did not understand his position as king of Israel. He wished to rule with absolute power, but he was blatantly went against the command of God. And in his proper indiscretion, he was bold-faced and did what God told him not to do. Truth gatherers, how many times has your disobedience been the result of your thinking at some moment you knew better than God? You don't have to admit it. Your actions already said what you were thinking because before you act, there's always a thought. You willingly chose to do the opposite of what the Lord God said. You blatantly went against the will of God. You were not tricked. You were not deceived. You were not confused. You were very clear that your decision put you in opposition to the will of God. That's called a prideful indiscretion because you did not have the authority to do so. There have been moments, if we look closely and tell the truth, that we have tread in some unauthorized territory Simply put, Saul lost the kingship because he didn't stay in his lane. How many accidents occur on the road because the person operating the vehicle seeks to veer into another lane of oncoming traffic? They fail to look beyond the blind spot to recognize that there was another car in the adjacent lane. In my car, I have this technology known as the blind spot monitor. You know that when a car enters the blind spot, a little light comes up in your side view mirror. It activates to say that something has entered the space of the blind spot to give you the revelation and information that it may not be wise for you to go over into that lane because someone else is occupying that space. Hallelujah. And when I see the car in my rearview mirror, there is a brief moment where a car may disappear and I think that nothing's there, but my blind spot monitor lets me know that I should not veer over into that lane because if I do, it will be a costly accident and a collision. So I must maintain my authorization and my right of way by staying in my lane and not venturing into the lane of others. Hallelujah. That's that's what a prideful indiscretion is. Uh, 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 so, So much unnecessary drama, pain, And calamity has entered our lives 
because we chose to venture into lanes that we were unauthorized to go into. We thought that this free will of God was something. And we thought that the free will meant we could do whatever we wanted to do, even not heed the instructions of the Lord our God. Our instruction from the Lord is our map. It's our God that alerts us that the danger of our blind spots are lurking. And the word of the Lord is the best blind spot monitor we could have if we would just choose to obey. Think about all the relationship drama you could have avoided. Instead, you welcomed messy people and welcome mess because you ventured into unauthorized lane. The Lord told you not to deal with that fool. But because of your savior syndrome, you thought you could change him or, or change her. And you went to God and God told you not to be involved. He sent message at the message, but because you were lonely and insecure in yourself, instead of recognizing that you are a child of the most high God who makes all people and is the Lord of all flesh, you move into a lane and now you've done damage to your heart that now the God has to pick up and mend together again when the truth is you are whole before you got involved. And the relationship broke you. Because God had already worked the stuff out in you and now you're taking steps back and because of the mercy of God, God now is loving you back to a place where you feel secure when the truth is if you would just stayed in your lane. Think about all the costly indiscretions you made at work. Trying to raise and rise because you thought that you could do better than your supervisor. So you begin to plot and plan and scheme, not necessarily knowingly, but in a sort of separate, surreptitious manner, that's a secret manner, to think that you could just go ahead and, and do around some things, not understanding that they was playing you from the beginning. Testing your character and your integrity. They had the promotion for you. They just wanted to see how much you wanted it and how much of your morals would you have compromised to get it and now you don't even have the position prideful indiscretion think about all the physical pain you caused yourself because you ate something that you know you had no business eating Lord told you to stop eating that I'm talking to myself now um, uh, God gave me a vision one time when I became pastor I had this, this, this notion to, to eat late at night because, um, you know, after the baby was down and my wife you know, went to sleep, I would kind of stay up, you know, try to watch Sports Center, try to catch a late game I recorded or something like that, you know, late night television, and, and, and I would just inch my way over to the cabinet, you know, um, and God gave me a vision where I was shopping in Walmart, and I'm putting stuff in my, in my basket, and I went to the cookie aisle and, and the chip aisle, and, and what God had was a gate with a padlock and with caution tape that said closed after 10 p.m. The Lord was telling me that you don't need to be eating like this after a certain hour because you're doing damage to yourself. This is true. I'm not making this up. It's true. 
He chose to reveal the blind spot in my health that I could not see because it was a prideful indiscretion of satisfying my flesh as opposed to being spiritually and physically healthy so that I could be used by God. I don't care how anointed you are. If you're not healthy, you can't be used in the best manner. It's better to have an anointing in the flesh, actively working, than have the anointing of Elijah when your bones are in the grave. Just, just Bible. Saul was not authorized. I'm getting out of here to have a burnt or peace offering, but he did it anyway. And this proper indiscretion proved to be costly. What is more, all he had to do was wait just a moment and his whole life would have been different. But it was this last manifestation of pride that proved to be the one that I think that could have been prevented. And it's the one that we struggle with the most. Disobedience could be a result of prideful impatience. We have to exterminate prideful impatience. What am I saying? Wait on the Lord. Verse 10, now what happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering, Samuel came. As soon as he had finished gathering the sticks, getting the animals, striking the fire, making the appeal to God, here comes Samuel. Samuel said, I am going to meet you after seven days. One scholar suggests that Saul has been directed to await the divine instructions and in doing so, he fundamentally went against the obedience of God as king. He did not wait. Saul became impatient at the last hour. He had only a few hours, if not minutes or seconds. He was at the end. It had been seven days, but his prideful impatience caused him to lose it all. Child of God, I beg you, do not let pride ruin your destiny. Obey the Lord because disobedience is costly. One of the ways in which you can obey the Lord is to simply wait on the Lord. Do not get to the end and throw it all away because of impatient minutes and seconds. Wait on the Lord. I know this from personal experience. It was the last hour of the last month of the last day in 2011. I was at a point where I was almost finished. The Lord had told me I was going to marry this girl from Pensacola, Florida who was living in Atlanta, Georgia. I told you it was the last day of the last month of the uh, final uh, minutes of 2011. We were venturing into a brand new year and it was the last hour and I was almost finished 
The woman said she didn't want to be with me. I don't want you trying to marry no pastor, trying to be with no preacher. I got my own stuff going on. I ain't trying to be with you. But it was the last hour of the last day of 2011. The Lord told me I need you to text her this prayer. Story goes when I texted her the prayer, she thought she had turned her phone off. But at 11.55 on December 31st of 2011, she opened the text and the prayer that I prayed was the very same prayer that she had prayed to God. And in that moment, something struck and she said, Lord, I hear you. Now, eight years later, with two babies, here we are in this moment because of waiting on the Lord. I got another one for you. It was July 11th of 2015. I got a call from a church in Alexandria, Virginia. I was already the final candidate. I was the one that was suited to be the pastor of the church. And in fact, the Lord had already told me that I was going to pastor this church. But on July 11th, Around 2 p.m., I got a call from the chair of the search committee that said, I'm sorry, Reverend Heatley, uh, you did not get enough votes to be the pastor of this church. It was July 11 of 2015. From that moment, I had my most difficult time in ministry. I was ready to get my bio again together, to get my resume together, to get all the sermons and the references together because I was back in the saddle trying to find a place where I could serve the Lord. But the Lord told me I called you to pastor this church. I had my own inclinations of not waiting on God and going forward to go ahead and even if I left the ministry to try to make money to provide for my family because the Lord said you were pastor this church a couple of months later that church called me back again and I came back on September 20th 2015 I preached a word that says it doesn't make sense because it didn't make sense but I'm here to tell you on that Wednesday September 23rd of 2015 I got a call at around 10 p.m. this time the chair of the search committee said uh, I'm happy to inform you that we had a second vote and this time you got another votes you are now the pastor-elect of the Charlotte Baptist Church of Alexandria Virginia I can't lie to you I was done with church folk. I was done with all of this mess. I was done with all of these votes because I believe in God there is no democracy. There's only a theocracy, which means when God says it, God says it's going to happen. But I learned something through that. God can't do nothing until his people get in alignment with what God wants to do. So I'm just trying to tell you truth gatherers. There's a cost to disobeying God. But the benefit of obeying God is that God is greater. So please, pretty please, do not lose heart 
can I tell you about this God? If God said he was coming, if God said he was moving, if God said he had a plan, if God said I'm connecting the dots, if God says he's going to work it out, if God said he was do it, and if you have a promise from God, then it shall come to pass for the promises of God. Uh, yes in Christ Jesus and in him we can say the amen even if it's the last hour and the last minute and the last second and the last nanosecond don't you give up on my God because God will I said God will he'll come at the right hour is there anybody in here who knows that you can wait on the Lord is there something about waiting on the Lord is there anybody in here who says I will wait on the Lord hallelujah wait on the Lord be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart wait I say on the Lord because he's an all time God yes he is wait on the Lord and in him put your hope because he's an all time God yes he is wait for the Lord and keep his way he will exalt you in due time because he's an all-time God. Yes, he is. Let your soul wait for the Lord. He is your help and your shield because he's an all-time God. Yes, he is. Because they that await upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. Hallelujah. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and they shall not faint. I told you he's an all-time God. He may not come when you want him, but I tell you, he's always, he's always, he's always, he'll be on time. I'm telling you what I know. I know something about waiting on the Lord. He'll do it if you wait on him and put your trust in what he said. He's an all-time God. Yes, he is. Anybody here know how to wait? Anybody here know how to tarry? Anybody here know how to walk the floor at midnight? Anybody here know how to walk the floor at 3 a.m.? Anybody here know how to walk the floor at doing the fourth watch? And the fifth watch? And the third watch? When the demons are fighting and fighting you in your sleep, but you hold fast to the Lord. Wait! Hallelujah. Wait on him. 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 God does not carry our concept with time. There are no clocks in heaven. There are no second hand in eternity. God just is. That's a Roman concept. There are no 24 hours in the day according to God. In fact, the Bible says a day is like a thousand years unto God. Don't you allow your human limitations place limitations on an eternal God. Wait. Wait on the Lord. Be a good cheer. He'll strengthen your heart. Wait on him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
church say amen. We hope you've been blessed by this fresh word from Truth Gatherer's Dream Center Church. Pastor Joseph Davis and the congregation invite you to join them. You can find more information by following them on social media. Just look up Truth Gatherer's Dream Center Church. And we pray that God will bless you richly and abundantly in the coming days, knowing that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him.